From the team at CTS, this is the Train Ride Podcast, our show for endurance athletes who want to learn how to train more effectively and improve their performance. I'm Coach Adam Pulford, your host for the cycling edition of the show, where it's my job to interview top coaches, scientists, experts, and athletes in the world of cycling to bring you actionable training tips that you can apply to your own training. Now, let's dive into the show and learn how you can train right. Hey everyone, I know there's a ton of biohack products out there and it's hard to sift through the BS from what really works. One product I've been using for over five years now is PR lotion. Why? Because this one really works. PR lotion uses a transdermal shuttling technique to deliver sodium bicarbonate, a natural electrolyte, and helps it to buffer exercise byproduct from fatigue so that you can go faster for longer. You can use it for training, recovery, and performance on the really hard days. With over six peer-reviewed clinical studies conducted, one of which by the Red Bull High Performance Division, each study showed significant increase in performances for various athlete types. So you don't need to be a cyclist to use it. If you just like being fit and getting after it, it's a great product for you too. You've probably seen riders using it at the Tour de France or heard some friends using it as well. Now's the time for you to try it or try it again. Use code CTS at checkout for 15% off your order today. You can find it at livemomentous.com or with a quick Google search of PR lotion. And again, use code CTS for 15% off. Where do you buy your gels, hydration mixes, and energy bars for training and racing? If you're like most of my athletes, you're buying from different websites trying to find the best deal here or the right fuel there, and also maybe buying big boxes of stuff that you may or may not use. If you're not shopping at thefeed.com, you're missing out. The feed allows you to purchase, say, one individual serving of something so that you know if it works or you like the flavor. And once you do figure out what you do enjoy, you can put it on auto ship or buy your big boxes of stuff and away you go. The feed is the largest online marketplace for your sports nutrition, offering the brands that you know and love from Scratch Labs, Cliff Bar to Morton, plus their athlete customized supplements called Feed Formulas. Feed Formulas are personalized supplements for athletes developed in part with Dr. Kevin Sprouse, the EF pro cycling team doctor, following the same protocols the top pro athletes use. I've met Dr. Kevin Sprouse a few times over the years working with different teams, and I listened to his podcast called The Podium. He's a smart guy. This isn't your typical doctor endorsement pill thing. Sprouse has been around the sport for some time, and he knows the athlete needs. So if you're interested in something like that, head on over to thefeed.com backslash trainwright and save 50% off your first order of feed formulas. That is thefeed.com backslash trainwright. Optimal performance at big races or even surviving huge challenges as an athlete is just as much psychological as it is physiological. And in the aftermath of that big event, what are you supposed to do with your mind as your body rests? This is a tricky one that I struggle with as a coach and each athlete can be a little different. So how can you get yourself out of that post-race funk and what the heck is that funk that we feel after our a race is over for the year and we just can't put a finger on like what we're feeling and and why we feel kind of so low. Well, I brought in a colleague that has a lot of experience with guiding athletes through the ups and downs of these iconic experiences. So let's turn to her and let's learn from her on how best to navigate the tricky waters of the emotional athlete and that post race funk. So Jane Marshall, welcome back to the Train Right Podcast. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I know, I mean, you may even have some post-race funk too, rolling off of Mountain Bike National Championships. Uh, how are you doing out there in Colorado? We're good. I did some yoga this morning, I had an extra cup of coffee, and ready to get on the podcast and talk this out. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, so for our listeners who didn't catch your first episode or may not know you, can you describe who you are and what you do a little bit more to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, I've been coaching with CTS since 2006. I uh, live outside of Denver in the beautiful foothills in Ken Carroll. Uh, married, and I have two crazy, wonderful little children who keep me busy, uh, in addition to coaching full-time, and uh, love racing bikes, um, especially mountain bikes, uh, anything short, long, you name it, I've done it, and I love it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, and Jane, how, I mean, how many years have you been coaching now? Uh, you're making me do math. So it's 2006. <laughs> so for, was it 16 years? 16 years. Yeah. Years. Uh, yeah. Long. It's, it's time has gone fast. Yeah, exactly. And, and the reason I bring that up is if you've been coaching for, I don't know, longer than three years, like you, you get enough experience with, athletes and athletes are emotional. Like if they're, if you're coaching, um, the, the type a driven kind of CEO type or the elite athletes, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think I have an athlete that's not a type a athlete, I guess. How about you? I would agree with that. You yeah. know, they're, they come to us because they're driven. So the reason I, I say all of that too is, um, so Jane has the experience and, and we, we both work with these athlete types and, and you, the listener are probably that type as well. And, and you probably know in yourself as, as we know, and working with the, the, these athletes is the emotional highs of when training is going great and say the race has been awesome. You also get those emotional lows. So we want to talk to you pretty plainly about how we do it as coaches and how to kind of level the athlete out a little bit as we're going and, and kind of keep them focused and grounded throughout the year. So that's the premise of this episode. And I'll go back to you, Jane. When we talk about, we, we use the word funk or I use the word post-race funk. What are we really talking about? Can you describe that to our listeners a little bit more? Yeah. And I think the first thing is like bringing awareness. Some people don't even realize that they're experiencing this, you know, post-race funk or mm -hmm. depression, they've put all this time and energy and preparation into a big race, big event, big goal, and then it finishes and it's, you know, one, you're physically tired from doing your big goal race or event. And then there's the mental emotional side where all of a sudden this thing is done and, you know, now what? And where do you put your time and energy and you have all these feelings and emotions after the race has been done, you know, maybe it went well, maybe it didn't and how to process that and, you know, move on and figure out what's next. And so there's, there's a lot going on, you know, in the time, you know, hours, days, weeks after, after those big goal events. So you, you mentioned the physical, you mentioned the, the mental Describe to me if you if you have an athlete that has some physical funk going on. What where do you noticing mm -hmm. on the coaching side? Like physically, yeah. what are they lacking or what are they doing? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you're tired and you're beat up for, from your event, and I think a lot of people underestimate the time it takes to recover from these big events. You know, even something short, cross country race. You know, it could be a week or two. And then the longer, the harder, the more epic the event, the longer it's going to take to recover. I mean, you know, half Ironman could take you four to six weeks, you know, Ironman eight weeks. And, you know, I know the ultra runners like Coop talks about, you know, after doing a hundred mile run, I mean, it could be months, you know, right. before you, you can even walk right. So that right. physical side and most athletes, you know, maybe they think they can just pick up with training the week after and, you know, they really need to take a step back and let their body physically recover with that recovery week and, you know, backing off some structure training. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's exactly it. And, and I think specifically what I notice on my end with some of my athletes is when, when they're super cooked after a, a big event is they're and this is just from the physical side at first is their perceived effort for the given power or pace is, mm -hmm. is higher and usually a lot higher. Mm -hmm. Like for example, if a normal, like if they try to do threshold, for example, it feels mm -hmm. like a maximum effort or yep. if they even do like a higher aerobic or like endurance that feels more like threshold to them. 
and they yeah. either cut it short and quit and come back or they like keep on charging hard. And it's like, I'm so tired. Oh my God. Like perceived effort high. Yeah. Hopefully they're, hopefully they're actually reporting that too. Yeah. You know? And not just, yeah. <laughs> continuing as normal. Yeah. Communication is key folks. Yeah. 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 For sure. So mentally then if, if that's a physical, if we can just say maybe they're not performing as normal, mm-hmm. say in training or something like that, that's, that's the physical mentally what's describe some issues that could be coming up. If your athletes have some funk, what do you notice say in training peaks comments, or if you meet with them face to face, if you're riding with them, what do you see from your athletes? Yeah, I would say some of it can mimic, you know, depression symptoms, you know, listlessness, you know, kind of loss of focus, um, you know, really down in the dumps, extra emotional. I've got a great story of my husband watching, you know, sappy movies coming back on airplanes and crying, you know, just having kind of some emotional releases and things are a little out of the, you know, normal, maybe, you know, more, you know, snappy with family or, you know, work or, you know, or lack of motivation too. Um, you know, kind of go from this big high to a low, low, you know, I'd say maybe with the emotional side, there's a greater variety of things that we see versus the physical side. Cause everyone processes those things differently. Um, you know, someone may get sad and cry. Someone may be just really down the dumps and quiet and, you know, learning your athletes' personalities and how each of them process those things. And you can tell, you you build that relationship and you can tell when things are out of the normal and, you know, bring it up and talk about it. Yeah, that's a really good point. And in in the the spectrum of things, I I don't think that I thought that one through before this episode. Mm -hmm. I was, my mind was more like, oh, lack of motivation, maybe like a little bit more irritable and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, Mm -hmm. you definitely get some, um, you know, the, the cognitive for humans is, is vast and far. Right. And yep. I love Brad. I know Brad, her husband quite well. And, and, uh, I could see him watching some sappy movies too, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. trying to hide it from the flight attendants. Yeah, totally. Nope. So, um, it's okay to cry guys. It's okay to cry. Totally. Absolutely. Especially after that, after, after that race is over, man, it's time to cry. Yep. Um, yeah. So I guess like where we're going with this is physically there's some underperformance going on or, uh, the body is just not being able to run all cylinders like it had been even, you know, last week or a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Cognitively, there's usually a lack of motivation. Like you just don't want to get after it like you normally do. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're sleeping more and maybe you're feeling all of the, all of the feelings mm-hmm. and you're not just, yeah, you don't want to go out and ride your bike or you don't want to go out and yeah, run. And that's, good point. that's normal. Yep. Yeah. That is super normal. And you know, so for listeners, maybe people are in this concept is, is very popular, but people will say, Oh, I'm overtrained. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, so I, th- I think it's just to put a real, just pump the brakes a little bit. We're not talking about overtraining because that's a whole other thing in itself. I, I, mm-hmm. I would argue that it doesn't exist as over as defined by overtraining. However, there, there's also overreaching that goes on. That's a fairly functional mm-hmm. that has like, it's adjacent to what we're talking about. And, but yet when we're talking about, <laughs> I don't know, funk, post-race funk, specifically coming off of these huge races, I would say that there is like overreaching with more mind stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Would you you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And you think you've put all, you know, everything that our athletes have focused, like leading up to a big event, let's, I don't know, Leadville's coming up. Mm -hmm. You've spent months where you've, lived and died by, you know, your Leadville training and all of a sudden the race is done and it's, you lose this sense of structure and almost your sense of being and, and purpose, you know, even if the race went well and it's, you know, it takes, you know, a week or more to kind of recalibrate and, and find your footing and find your, your steering in your direction again, you know, kind of that what's next. And that, that a lot of the athletes we work with thrive off, having a plan and structure and working towards that goal. And then when all of a sudden that's done, 
you know, it's what's next. And I find it really helpful with my athletes to talk about that ahead of time and explaining to them that that's, you know, that this could very well happen and likely it will. This is kind of what to expect. Ride that wave, you know, we'll talk through it, we'll deal with it just and know that it's normal and normalize it. So they don't feel like, well, what's wrong with me? Um, some, you know, something's wrong. What's, it's not right. And it can, it can go a long way to help people process and, you know, move on to the next cool thing. Yeah. And it can't emphasize that enough. I think Jane bringing that up right away is just, is super important for anybody listening to this. It's just like, number one, it's likely going to happen, right? It's pretty normal yeah. and it's okay for that to happen. Yeah. Right. And is, and then the powerful part is knowing that it will likely happen. If it does happen to you, then you're just like, Oh, I have all these emotions. I mm-hmm. want to watch the sappy movie or I want to yell at my dog or something, whatever it is like, mm-hmm. okay, fine. Yeah. Like go for it. But then here's some tips that are going to rein you back a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, so it's perfectly normal. Cool. To you, Jane, like, it, it, would you consider this funk good? Or bad? Would you qualify it as in either one of those bins? No, I don't. I think it's like it's part of life and it's part of doing a big event. And I don't think it's, you know, it's not good or bad. It just it is. And it's, you know, part of the feeling and the emotion and what we go through as athletes. And, you know, you may have varying degrees of it um, depending on the event and how much you had emotionally invested, you know, or in you know, time, everything into it. Um, and what happened during the event too, can I'd yeah. say have a big impact on how, how you feel post event. Um, especially if it didn't go well and exactly. I mean, you made some mistakes out there, didn't have a good day that can, you know, make it, make it worse. Maybe that's a good thing. Like, you know, what happened and how you process it can drive whether this is a good funk or a bad funk. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and we'll get into some specific examples here in, in mm-hmm. a few minutes where we can like go a little deeper on some of that. But I'd say for, for now, Jane, like I'll, I'll probably just throw like five different questions at you all at once. Okay. And it's, so the first question I had is, well, how do we prevent this? Like, how do we prevent the post-race funk? But then I was mm-hmm. like, well, can we prevent this Yeah. or should we? Right. And then it goes mm-hmm. back to the good or bad. And it's like, oh, if it's not good or bad, then why are we trying to prevent yeah. this? So take take all of that those jumbled questions as you want. Like how do we prevent mm-hmm. this? And do you, I yeah. guess, as a coach and walk us through a little bit on how you coach athletes? Yeah. So I'm big on, you know, feel the feelings, you know, let them happen. And, you know, as I said before, bringing awareness to it. And we're mm-hmm. going to have some of these feelings. And I think processing an event, you know, what went well, what didn't, you know, celebrating the victories, you know, working on fixing and finding solutions for what didn't go well. Um, and the hardest part is sometimes we have bad days and we don't know why. And I'd say that's one of the hardest parts about being a coach and coaching someone through that. Um so, you know, I don't think we can prevent it, but bringing awareness, we can help our athletes maybe, you know, kind of narrow the the wave of the highs and the lows and kind of, you know, get them maybe a little bit more in the middle ground where, you know, it's just little bumps instead of, you know, big waves um, of emotion. And then, you know, especially if they have other events coming up, you know, getting them back into training as quickly as possible um, or into a point where they're enjoying riding or running or doing their triathlon, right? It's at the end of the day, my goal with an athlete is when they finish an event, as I always want them to want to get back on their bike and want to get back to some Mm -hmm. form of training, you know, what it looks like for them and not do an event and then hang up their bike for five years because they were so just done, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally after. So I'd yep. say, yes, let's, you know, feel the feels, expect it, know it, you know, try to level it a little bit and, you know, let the athlete do what they need to do to work through all the the emotions and things, but, you know, get them and steer them, guide them back into training, you know, on, on the schedule that's appropriate for them. Yeah, that's a great answer. And, and I would say, I do something pretty similar in that regard where 
I, I think as coaches, we, we try to get our athletes to, you know, allow that, you know, allow the human feeling. I mean, it sounds crazy, but like for sure, mm -hmm. because I think some of our athletes, um, mute that about themselves and you kind of have to, when mm -hmm. it comes to physical training, because with what our athletes are doing, it's pretty silly, right? Just like the, the sheer pain and suffering that goes into some of these events and the higher up you go in elite athletics yeah. or the sillier you go in the bucket list events. I mean, it can get pretty gnarly out there. And so you have to mute some of those, uh, human feelings to get through some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's where the grin and bear it or the type a personality really shines through. And they get super stoked and very high to come into this event. And as I said before, that can translate to the down portion of it. And I think as mm -hmm. coaches, it's part of our job to make sure that they're high is not too high, meaning like not getting overly grandiose about their uh, ability. Like, Hey, you got some mm -hmm. limitations here. Like you have to pace, you yep. have to drink, you have to eat. All right. <laughs> you're not going to. Yep. And then also with the lows, it's like, all right, you're going to experience these lows, but let's not hit rock bottom. So yep. here's, what's going to happen. Here are some things that you can do to, you know, n not go down so low. And as I observe like myself, as I'm coming out of some of these big races with my athletes, I just kind of jotted down probably three things that I normally ask my athletes and for any of my athletes actually listening to be like, Oh yeah, he does do that. But it's like, I, the, the first one is actually, what are the top three things you learned from this event? Mm -hmm. Right. And so whether it is, you know, short, you know, criterion, like national championship or something like that, or a huge stage race or something like I try to get at least two or three things that the athlete learned. I then ask them if, you know, knowing what you know now, like you, you saw yourself race and you had the chance to do it again, what would you do differently? Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it makes them think and kind of like mentally rehearse, give another go. Okay. So then it's another learning thing. And then finally, when it comes down to this, like funk and why do I feel so terrible? Why can't I do 200 Watts or whatever? It's, I say, well, that's a good sign. Cause remember in training, the whole, the whole purpose of training is to get tired. Then you rest and then you get better. You form an adaptation and you're so tired right now. If you rest, you're going to get that much faster. So I, I do get pretty excited when someone gets themselves pretty funky because <laughs> it means mm -hmm. that they've like really gave their all like physically and emotionally for an event. And overall, I would categorize this as not a bad thing. The only bad thing that could occur from this is if you, uh, you know, don't allow for the recovery and the rejuvenation and just charge forward blindly. Yeah. That's not agree. Good. So as we're kind of transitioning into some of these, um, it, we're going to break down the physical side and the mental side a little bit more, but like, uh, maybe just a quick disclaimer is Jane and I are not psychologists. So the terms that we're using, they're not clinical official terms or anything like that. It's like real coach talk, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the language that we use with our athletes. So if yeah. you're a sports psychologist that listening to this, or you have a sports psychologist, like you're not going to, there are probably like different directions that you could take a, with this podcast, but we're, we're probably not going to go there. We're just helping you. We're just coaching you through this. So just know that. Um, but the two things that Jane mentioned above with kind of the, the physical and the mental, let's start with the physical first, because I view that as the more simple side of it. Would you agree? Yep. All right. hundred percent. So what's, what are like the main things physically that you coach somebody through to get them to stop the funk? Yeah. Uh, sleep, mm -hmm. uh, take good rest. So, you know, take those rest days, take those recovery days, uh, which can be challenging for a lot of athletes, especially coming out of an event where it was, you know, full gas training and, you know, just take a step back and rest, allow your body to recover, um, you know, make sure you're eating, you know, taking care of yourself, eating right, drinking right. Um, you know, some people, athletes can kind of go, you know, big events done and they can go, you know, big off the bandwagon with eating and, you know, drinking. 
and to really let your body recover on the physical side is, you know, keep putting good things in, um, you know, and you know, move, you know, move your body, you know, a little bit. So easy walks, rides, uh, lower intensity exercise and, you know, f- fill your cup with, you know, family time or things that you maybe you didn't get to do when you were so hard in training, you know, f- f- the friend side of things or, you know, take the dog for an extra walk, something like that. Yep. I think that for me, the first week after a, a big event, the, the more, the more I coach, the longer I coach, the more I'll, I'll still build this in training peaks, but I'll be like the weekly goals are do what you want. And yeah, it's unstructured, unstructured. And yep. I'll sometimes like, depending on the personality type, I will build like recovery miles, endurance <laughs> miles, rest day, recovery miles, endurance miles, rest day. Right. You know who you are, those athletes who, if you put on structure, they just go ride their bike all day. For sure. And so some of those we have, you have to schedule some things, but for a lot of people it's just, yeah, take a break from the, the you know, the, the structure and yep. do what you want. Yep. So, and so that autonomy, I think, as it pertains to the rhythm of their training is if you give them that autonomy, it's kind of silly to think about that, but like you're, as the coach, you're giving them the reins and there's a lot of, Mm. um, uh, stress relief that just goes on in that. And I'll, and I'll do that for a week, sometimes two weeks. Right. Yeah. And I think it's super important. And that's like from the physical side, um, in the training, that's number, that's not number one. I think number one, as you said, was the, was the sleep and the rest is just mm-hmm. like taking it down. Um, yep. but yeah, getting away from, um, high intensity stuff, just doing low intensity, keeping the body moving. That's, that's huge on the mental side. What are some things that you like deploy or talk about with your athletes to get them recovered? Yeah, everyone's, I'd say that there's a variety of things, but, you know, talking to them about, you know, doing what they need that week, you know, uh, on the bike, off the bike. So some people may be, yeah, I need a week off. I need to spend time with my family. I need to catch up on work. I need to go on vacation. Um, I need to do something different, uh, you know, physically go for hikes instead of rides or go to yoga. And some people, again, are, you know, let's not go for a five-hour trail run, um, and destroy ourselves, but yeah, go for a two hour hike with the dog and the family and just do something different. Um, a mental break from the intense specific training for the event. Yep. That's, that's super good. Um, and quick disclaimer for those athletes that do the five hour hike and they say, well, coach Adam or coach Jane, it was low intensity. Yeah. Well, if you're a cyclist and you rattle off a five hour hike, yes, it's low intensity. Yes. Your cardiovascular system can handle it. That's why it's like, Oh, I don't yeah. feel bad. But the next day you're wrecked is because structurally your muscles just can't handle all these centric forces. No. Anyways, um, please don't do that. Uh, yeah. yeah the, on the mental side, I think the biggest thing for me is, is, um, what I try to do with my athletes is I take away expectation, right? Like the mm-hmm. expectation to perform the expectation to really do anything. I, I always, I say be a human for a week or two. Yeah. Normal human. Yeah. Go have, go have fun. Yeah. Go, you know, meet with friends, see people, family time, whatever is going to fill your cup yeah. on that side. Things that you've had to sacrifice to get ready for your big event and it can go a long way. Yeah. And, and I think those are pretty standard go-tos, but I think like, let's have some real talk for a minute because if you do have family in a high demanding job, and you've been burning the candle at both ends to knock out Kona or something, mm-hmm. you get done with it. You come back, you got a stack of work. You got the kid, like your spouse mm-hmm. has been taking care of the kids for the past six months. And there, there's probably some expectation and pressure there, right? Yep. So how do you deal with that? Or how would you advise to deal with that? I'm always, you know, very prepared to talking about that ahead of time and then making sure, you know, the whole family and everybody is prepared, right? Come back. Okay. You know, mom's tired because she just did this big event. You know, we're going to have an easy day today, but tomorrow we can go to the park and play or go to the water park or do whatever fun things we're going to do. And so I think just communication and know that have the athlete know that, yeah, they're going to be, physically tired, mentally tired, catching up and 
you know, maybe, yeah, feeling those lows and it's going to feel pretty overwhelming. And I think that is very much, you know, a piece of the mental side um, and planning ahead and yeah, make things easier. So if you've got all this stuff, you know, do takeout for a couple days or, you know, eat rotisserie chicken and salad, <laughs> just, you know, make things, you know, easier on your site, take some, try to take some things off your plate so that, you know, you can match those worker family demands or, you know, whatever, whatever else you have going on. Yeah. Um, and kind of, yeah, prepare ahead of time and set yourself up for success in that area. Yeah. It really comes down to planning and communication around it. And I think if you do have a family and you're an endurance athlete, to do it well, my athletes anyway, the ones who do it well, they, they get the family on board. They communicate really well. Mm -hmm. And the coach is kind of part of that as well. Right. So I think yeah. it's not just a post race sort of thing. That's like an annual, annual thing, an annual planning thing for sure. Yeah. And what the athletes that I find even the most successful are the ones where I talk to their partner, yeah, you know, I have 100%. their partners, mm -hmm cell phone or whatever and you get and get texts and it's like sometimes you get the real story of what's going on and they're you know fully invested in their partner's training and events they know what's going on they know the expectations every you know open lines of communication and that can go a long way so if you're coached have your partner communicate with the coach too it can you'd be surprised at what it can do the coach will probably end up coaching the athlete better because they'll know the true story of what's going on yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. So when it comes down to like mentally and physically Jane, like, um, they get done with the big event and they get done with, uh, we'll get into some specifics here in one second, but how soon should they sign up for that next event? And is that a good thing? Like, do you encourage that as part of getting out of the post-race funk to get them looking forward to that? Or do you say, mm -hmm. hey, hold on here a little bit? How do you handle that one? Yeah. It, oh, it depends on how big the event was. And yeah. oftentimes athletes will have something else set up already to go in or whether the next season, um, you know, if it's, if they're really struggling, you know, we'll, you know, talk about it, um, you know, maybe after a week or two, you know, bring it up and, Sometimes if it's a, it's a, if it's a biggie, you know, big stage race, you know, big ultra, then it's, you know, we may wait five or six weeks before they may not even mentally be able to think about doing something else. They're so blown. Um, so you kind of have to feel that out with the athlete and the person. Um, but I'd say it's probably 50, 50 with, you know, people that are motivated and want to sign up for the next thing. Um, you know, we don't want to do, Leadville and then have something on the calendar two weeks later, you know, we want to have a good break in there to allow the recovery and the next training build. Um, but if they're excited to talk about it, you know, absolutely talk it through, you know, throw some ideas around that can be motivating. Um, you know, if they're not ready, then, you know, pump the brakes, let them get into a mental space where they're, you know, ready and excited to talk about the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I do think that it can go either way. And the answer to that one is it, it depends for sure. Yep. So it, I want to walk through a couple examples to answer that question of it depends. Cause I, I do not like hiding behind that one. Um, so I've kind of compiled a list of events that either you've done or your athletes have done. Um, and, mm. and just we'll, We'll kind of blow through this a little bit. Um, but you mentioned like a, like a long, big stage race. And the one that I picked for this one is Cape Epic. And the reason why I chose this one is because for athletes in North America, this, this comes pretty early, early on. It's usually mm -hmm. in March. And so, and it's a, it's a seven day stage race with a prologue and it's for North Americans halfway around the world. For most people, it's halfway around the world and it's in South yeah. Africa. So, uh, with that race, kind of describe the demands of the race, kind of what goes on, like super high level in training and logistics in terms of the, kind of the stressors there. And mm -hmm. then we'll get into like some post-race funk about that. So describe the race yeah. a little bit. Well, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a big one. I would say it's one of the hardest stage races out there, you know, hardest event and it's early season for North America. So 
people doing this, you know, you're on it in the fall. So you've been preparing for this for a few months through the holidays, which can be really challenging. Um, A lot goes into it. You're traveling, you know, all the way over to uh, South Africa. The the logistics are challenging, the flights, um, the food, staying healthy over there, you know, not getting sick. Um, It's a, I'd say this is a big financial, physical, big time investment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the cool thing about it is it is early and, you what if you rest properly from this one and you know recover get through you're going to come out with a really good amount of fitness Mm -hmm. to set yourself up to do something you know later in the year um but that's where we were talking about you know next race planning is depending on the level of the athlete that they're going to need you know maybe four months to kind of before they're ready to do something else. And I would say maybe even longer, uh, for some people, Yep. not jumping in and doing something in May, right. We're looking to like August or the fall timeframe. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of like a major thing, and I think that it's also, it's good to distinguish that for like a lot of amateurs that that would definitely be a, a timeline that's appropriate. Um, Mm-hmm. If, if anybody who is interested in Cape Epic or have listened to the podcast, you know, that Blevins and Kate Courtney, um, and a lot mm-hmm. of like pros will start their season with that. And then you see them still racing world cups and, and stuff mm-hmm. like this, but that's, it's a different animal of sorts because they, they have little other th- stretch. That's their job, right? So they need to get yeah. that into the system and then they're flying. However, it can be um, cost- like that's risky for for them as well because if it doesn't go well, they now have a huge uh, recovery block that's needed before some of these big races, mm-hmm. right? And so, yep. if it doesn't go well for say a pro or an amateur, Jane, mm-hmm. like w- <laughs> you you queued the race up really <laughs> well, but like what are some stuff that you've experienced either personally? from doing this race <laughs> or that your athletes have, you know, it's technical. So mountain biking, you know, the, the risk of getting injured. Yeah. So I've had athletes have gone over and, you know, had some pretty, you know, decent crashes. And then now we've got, you know, a back injury or a broken collarbone. And, you know, that's like six weeks of recovery or, you know, off time just to recover from an injury, um, you know, traveling, overseas i'd say i'd preface this like outside of europe you know the gi stuff is a huge risk and i think i think everyone who has gone to cape epic has had some gi issue um which can be lingering 50 percent of the field gets something every year yeah every year and it's just the bacteria levels in their water are different where you know people from north america aren't used to it you know i ended up at a clinic you know after the first year that i was there and you know, thank goodness for Cipro and, but that, that's going to lengthen that recovery time. I mean, I was shelled and then you're having to fly back, you know, two red eye flights. You know, I think maybe now they have a direct flight, but back then, you know, it's just, you come back from that and you're exhausted from traveling time change, you know, chances are you've gotten some sickness, you know, or, or hit the deck over there and that's going to extend and add to that recovery time. Yep. Um, but, you know, the good news is you've done, you know, eight huge days on the mountain bike. And if you rest properly, you're going to get super fit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and hopefully be, you know, motivated and pumped coming out of that race, which I think everyone is because it's an amazing experience. And so we want to balance those and keep people pumped and going. And I think almost everyone, you know, once they're recovered, they do something else big that same year. Mm-hmm. So if you do Cape Epic in 2023, you know, looking, I'd say, you know, the pros obviously get back to it sooner, but if you're an amateur, you know, you look for something late summer fall time frame, and you'll be going good and ready to tackle something else big. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think, you know, if the re- if a race scenario like this goes good or bad, you definitely need to roll out of there 
take everything that we just talked about in the way of physical and mental recovery for three to four mm-hmm. weeks before you start hitting the training hard again. And then, you know, don't sign up for things because, because then you're just out money and some emotion too. That's why we're saying mm-hmm. don't sign up for anything just yet because so much stuff could change And every athlete that I've coached, um, you know, from the, from the pointy end of the race to the slow end of the race, um, on this one, it hits them way more than they think. And that's the reason I chose yep. this race because it's big. And so it, might as well start big and swing for the fence on these examples. Right. Yep. All right. Yeah. So example number two is like a mid season sort of race. And let's just stick with like, um, eh, I mean, North America, but also most, most people have their national championships, um, July ish. Okay. So if mm-hmm. we're talking about a one day race or maybe a one weekend race, or maybe somebody's not chasing national championships, but Leadville, Leadville kind of comes in August. So mid to late season, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, after a one day big race, uh, walk us through what you would recommend from, um, a, a recovery standpoint, physically, mentally, just kind of like high level on that and what to expect. Yeah. So recovery from those, I feel like it's, Mentally, there may be a little more challenging than like a stage race, right? Stage race, you're kind of, you get to go out there day after day and kind of by the end, you're like, I don't want to ride my bike anymore. Uh, But a one day, you know, you put everything into this one day and the room for error and mistakes is a little, uh, you can't go out there the next day and try to catch the team in front of you. Um, So the stakes are a little higher um, and that can weigh more on the mental side of things and maybe make that post post event post race you know funk uh, a little deeper uh, you know in a in a different way um, you know physically with like a XC or national championship or road race you may not be as physically tired you know for as long you know Leadville I would say you're going to be more beat up after that one yeah, uh, it's just sure. a big big day at altitude. Um, and if, you know, if the race goes well, you know, then motivation can be high coming out of a one day, you know, not, not quite as tired, you know, motivated to kind of get to the next thing, um, you know, still going to have some dips and lows with that event being done and everything you put into it now, you know, it's just like the box is checked and it's a little bit of like, oh, now what? Um, so that's we're planning that next event. I think for a lot of people can be really helpful. Um, I'd say Leadville, you're going to need some more time. Uh, people are usually pretty beat up after that for a while and more lost, listless, uh, especially with the time, uh, that goes into training for Leadville. You know, we kind of joked about like Leadville widows back in the day, um, in, in July with, you know, everyone out putting big long hours on the weekends and away from family. Um, you know, if the race goes bad, then mentally you're going to have more challenges with your athletes and you're going to experience more things. It's like all the what ifs, anger, frustration, and then coaching the athletes through that, talking it through, you know, as you said, going through those points of what went well, what didn't go well, what would you do differently now that you know what you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. And I I think hitting on the point of, and this is what we talked about earlier, but it's like mentally there's a lot more going on in these one day events because sure mm-hmm. with the one day that of an event that is, you know, two to four hours, I mean, the physical stress, it's not that, that much different than like a normal, like a hard training weekend. Right. Training. So yeah. physically coming out of there, whatever. Right. However, mm-hmm. mentally, like something goes bad, you break a collarbone, you get a flat, even worse. Right. Collarbone. You got an excuse mm-hmm. flat. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks, right? Yep. So you train half your year or sometimes even like mm-hmm. multiple years for this thing for Leadville too, because it's harder and harder to get into. And everybody's like pushing all mm-hmm. the chips into the middle on this one. And then you get a flat yep. tire. It's, I, I think that the mentally, again, you got to be ready for that. And on race day, come August 13th or whatever it is this year, it's like, uh, fingers mm-hmm. are always crossed. Be like, man, hope there's no flat tires. hope there's no hope. broken bikes. Yep. I hope there's no, I mean, no broken collarbones either, mm-hmm. but, um, because mentally, I, I think for me, I don't enjoy getting people out of that as much, right? Like no. you want them to have a good day. It's, it's you want yeah. them to have a good day. And I 
to talk to people ahead of time, you know, like we talk about goal times for Leadville or, you know, going to win your national championships. And I remember early on in my coaching career, somewhere racing, someone told me like to win a national championships or I'll tell people, you know, to get that sub nine at Leadville, everything has to go right. Yeah. Like you have to have the perfect day, you know, like legs have to be perfect. Nutrition has to be perfect. Everything needs to come together to have that optimal performance. You know, and that's why we see, you know, professionals, sometimes they win races, sometimes they don't. And everything has to really line up to to have that. And having the athlete know and understand that, yeah, they've put in all this this work and training and they're prepared and they're ready. But, like, they really got to focus and, and go for it. It's not just going to yeah. happen to them. Yeah. Um, in, 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 we don't have a magic exactly. wand. Wish I mean, I wish we could. Um, so, yeah, but, yeah, we I mean, whether you're chasing sub nine or you're going for the win – uh, Leadville, for example, or just to finish, right? To use this as an example, mm-hmm. it's when I've coached athletes through it, I think at first I had one way of doing it. And then now for everybody, no matter how fast it is, like, all right, first of all, let's finish this thing. Cause re- cause mm-hmm. I've had fast people not finish that thing due to all these issues. Yeah. Right. And yeah. like, and again, it gets back to that mentally or that mental aspect of it is just, it's more of a train wreck afterwards, right? So queuing them up, having the awareness of like, we could pour everything into this and it could go sideways on St. Kevin's, right? <laughs> and hopefully not. Yep. And so, yeah. but I think as you walk <laughs> through the scenarios with your athlete, you get them grounded in reality, which then helps them make better decisions during the race when, when sh- stuff goes sideways and, and they have to, mm-hmm. and then they're prepared for that too. Right. And and then you come out the backside, yeah. whether you won the race or last or whatever, it, I think it's, it helps to sink in or seep in a little bit more too. Just, just like saying, Hey, you're going to feel like crap after your race mentally and physically. Cool. Yep. So how about like a, a post um, season? So like at the end of the year, some major event before you take like months off. And so this could be, you know, for, uh, road racing, mountain bike racing, world championships, typically in September, uh, Kona, that's going to be typically October or Laruda at the end of the year, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. walk us through. So my question is, does your coaching advice or process change any because we got like two months off and is the experience with the athlete any different or is it just similar like the stuff that we talked about um i think i think it's similar they you know for something like kona or you know world championships right you know if they're that's their a race and they're peaking for that the lead-in is similar and there's similar pressure on it um and for a lot of athletes with the idea that there's going to be this time off after can be helpful with that like post-race funk because they have, they kind of know what's next and what's yeah. coming and you talk, talk about that. Um, so a lot of times after that, they're ready for it um, and they're expecting it. They're prepared for it. You know, they've got a break before, you know, they're jumping into training for their next thing. So again, I think it's that mental prep ahead of time that can be really helpful. For North America, with you know Kona, it's a it can get a little tricky mentally there at the end. You know, if we're dealing with weather, you know some some places it's getting pretty cold and daylight's getting short um, to keep the motivation going. And we can also I th- some of those almost have like the reverse funk where there's like a dip in motivation before it because it's been such a long season. Um, and they're struggling with conditions or maybe they've had to go inside on the trainer and mentally struggling with that. Uh, so the, if someone is looking at that um, and we used to do La Ruta in, was it November? Mm-hmm. Uh, now that race is happening. They change it in May, um, which I think for North America is good timing. Yeah. Um, but it, people were struggling at the end to be prepared for that and kind of keep the gas on to be ready. Uh, so, planning breaks maybe midway through the season. So mentally they're more ready to go into it can be super helpful. Uh, but yeah, I'd say reverse funk on these, on these later ones. And I'd say, see people struggle with that more than kind of after if they know season end is coming. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point um, to bring up. I, I've definitely seen that for sure. Um, I think I also would agree. And I, I think you mentioned this too. It's like the, 
because it's end of the season and you already have this like anticipatory, like, Hey, I got a month. Like this is the last thing on the calendar, right? So do it. And, and you already mm-hmm. plan for that. So you lean into it a little bit more. So people are, they want to take that rest, but yeah, I, I can see it's like, Oh shoot. I, if it went really well and I'm like flying, Oh, wait. world championships just happened, but now I want to race more. Yeah. I can definitely mm-hmm. see that. It's a good point mm-hmm. for sure. Um, But, you know, so those are three examples that I think a lot of people can relate to. Those are three examples that, uh, Jane and I have coached athletes through and there's never, the plan never goes as we write it. Uh, the race never goes necessarily as we want it to. Hopefully if you're lucky enough to have a few races where it does go as you want and, and everything goes smoothly on the day. Great. Then you have success, right? And then you can party and, and celebrate probably still have some funk afterwards, but I guess to summarize everything, I'll go, I'll, I'll just first go back to what Jane said originally is having awareness about the fact that this emotional feeling that we call funk can happen after big events, knowing that that's real and and knowing that it's okay to have that, I think is, uh, step number one. Mm. And then step two would be just planning around it, planning on, you know, working with your coach or working with your spouse or your partner, uh, your family involved to just be like, all right, I'm going to have all these like focus going into it. I'm going to have these emotions afterwards. So we're going to plan like family trips and stuff around it. I think that's super healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, afterwards, physically rest mentally, take the pressure off yourself and tune in and become aware of your motivation and don't rush too soon mm-hmm. before you start training again. I hope that this, um, episode can resonate with, uh, quite a few people because we all experience this, the highs and lows as human beings, we want to experience those highs and lows because, uh, ex- like having the experience is really what we're chasing here. I think a lot of people like love training and, and love where the races take us, but it's the the experience and our journey along the way that's so rich. Uh, so don't let your emotions take away from that experience. Enjoy, lean into that type of fun. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Well, Jane, thank you for joining us once again on the Train Right Podcast. Uh, this was super fun. I, I learned today and I, I think our listeners did too. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Thanks for joining us this week on the Trainwright Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to visit our website at trainwright.com forward slash podcast, where you can find social links, bonus content, and more about CTS. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a show and leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next time, train hard, train smart, train right. <laughs>